It's Christmas time, and we're supposed to be jolly. But what can we do when instead of joy, we feel empty inside? Listen as our study leader, Dave Wurtson, concludes our Christmas mini-series, Hints of Christmas, and our study titled, Do You Know What I Know? from Isaiah 49, starting with verse 5 today. What's the meaning of your life? Oh, emptiness of emptiness. Oh, just empty. Boy, that's great. Love to hear someone talk like that. What have you done with your life? I tried to do something, but it's all failed. What have you really labored for? You really sweat by the sweat of your brow. What have you accomplished? Nothing. Who said that? You know, Jesus said that. Jesus was fully a man. And just like any man, Jesus' mission in life, according to verse 5, was to bring Jacob back to God, to gather Israel back to Yahweh. And from a human standpoint, Jesus was a miserable failure from one perspective at doing that. And Jesus felt it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, part of the sorrow of Jesus was that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. You ever stopped and thought about the rejection of that? Some of you wrestle, you know, with the fact that you're rejected. You have loved ones that don't love you. You have friends that don't respond to you. You feel very rejected. Jesus was incredibly rejected. He came onto his own. It's like he went into a Christmas celebration, a big holiday season, and nobody would talk to him. He was the outcast. Nobody wanted him. He came onto his own, but his own received him not. And what Jesus is saying here is that I've labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. That's very honest. The Lord in the human failure that he faced in trying to reach the Jewish people, his heart broke because he was a man. But how did he live? You see, some of you are going to take a lifetime to come to the place that you realize life adds up to a big zero. We've been working a lot about that. When we talked about the book of Ecclesiastes, when we studied the book of Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said a graduate degree isn't going to be the answer. The Apostle Paul said being a successful minister is not going to be the answer. The Apostle Paul said nothing is the answer as far as human achievement. The Messiah is saying the same thing. He's saying even the goal of reaching my people, which is a very worthy goal, can't be my ultimate goal. You see, some of you are saying, I, I really want to be a part. I want to teach this Sunday school class if the kids will respond. In other words, if the kids will really respond to me, if the class will grow, if the kids will really learn what I'm trying to teach them, then I'll do it. But when you do it for a year or two years or some of you 15 years and it looks like zilch, then what happens? Or you say, you know, I really want to serve the Lord if people respond to me. If I can talk to my friends about Jesus Christ, and if they'll believe in Christ and be gloriously saved, then I'll present the gospel. But what happens when they don't? You see, what you have to realize as we begin in New Year's is that we're following a Messiah who a lot of times it looks like as you follow him that you're not accomplishing a thing. Now, I get very angry when that happens. 
You see, I see, you know what I started doing? I started praying like this. I said, Lord, it's not fair. I worked for 25 hours to get that message ready. You see, I really worked hard, Lord, and if I gave that particular Sunday morning message, it looked like everybody fell asleep while I was giving it. I say, Lord, how can you do that? I'll tell you when I really do it. You're playing an outside meeting. See, I was raised in an evangelist home, and we used to have big outside meetings, like in the Singer Bowl, you know, where you're going to have like 25 or 30,000 people there. And we'd pray, oh, Lord, help it to be a beautiful, sunshiny day. You come to the day of this big rally, and it just rains terribly. Mud everywhere. I can remember the little kid saying, Lord, how could you do this to me? Anybody ever have that kind of a conversation with God? God, this just is not fair at all. You see, most of us as we live our life are very, very concerned to see a cause and effect relationship. I work so hard, I get so much success. I minister to people so much, I get so much response. I love my wife or I love my husband so much, and then they give me so much back. And that's what makes us so angry. That's what makes a lot of us, in fact, a lot of us are very, very angry deep inside our personalities because life really isn't very fair. You see, we're working very hard. There's justice here, personal justice. It's going to work out. I put so much effort in. I try to reach these Jewish people. I preach to them. My mouth is like a sword. They're going to respond to me. doesn't work that way. You see, sometimes in God's plan, everybody walks away. Sometimes in God's plan, everybody gets up and leaves. And then you're going to find out why you really do it. You'll find out why you really serve the Lord. Or whether or not you really serve him. You see, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, could admit, I'm down because it looks like my whole life is a failure. I failed to accomplish what my Father sent me into the world to do. But the Messiah was perfect and he never sinned. And look what he says in the next verse. It's so important for us. I mean, the next part of the verse. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And my reward is with him. You know, as we begin a new year, I think it's really important for us to ask ourselves, where is our reward? The secret of the Lord Jesus' life was the only thing that really counted was to hear his daddy say in heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And by God's grace, there's not one of you in this room that still can't have God the Father say that to you. You know, the only thing that really ultimately counts in life is one day to stand before Jesus Christ and have Him say, I'm pleased with you. Well done. You see, what Jesus did was leave the question of justice with His Father. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. You see, Jesus, when he was before Pilate, didn't say, Pilate, this isn't fair. How many of you have heard Jesus say that? You see, most of us, when we were before Pilate, would have said, Pilate, you want to know who I really am? Zap! You know, and the, the lightning would have bolted out from our fingertips and disintegrated Pilate. And we would have gone, ha ha, I showed you, didn't I? And you get up on the cross, stretching out your hands. And the stupid high priest down there start cursing you. Say, ha ha, you're the son of God. Go ahead and prove it. I'll tell you what. We'll give you a test. 
You come down off the cross, we'll believe in you. You come down off that cross, you healed others. Man, you said you could heal blind people. Try to heal a man hanging on the cross. Boy, those are fighting words. Man, try those on the playground. The fist will fly. And Jesus could have easily done it. You see, Jesus could have made the goal of his life personal justice. I'm going to make it fair. How many of you think the cross is fair? Isn't the cross just marvelously fair? No, it's marvelously unfair. The innocent man hangs, dies capital punishment in an agonizing, excruciating way. The bad guys laugh all the way. There's no nice, happy ending to that story. Not until the resurrection. Now, why did Jesus hang there? Because it says that he trusted his heavenly Father. He believed that his heavenly Father would ultimately deal with the question of justice. You know what? He will. You say, Dave, what are you trying to get us to do? I want you to join with the Son of God and stop trying to make everything right for yourself. Stop clinging to personal fairness so much in your marriage, in your work, in your family. If you're going to live at peace with God in this world, you have to stop fighting for your own personal rights so much and let your Heavenly Father defend you. Let your Heavenly Father ultimately set things right. You see, when Jesus said, if somebody wants you to go a mile with them, Walk with him, too. If someone holds you up along the side of the road and says, Hey, I want your coat. Say, fine. You want my coat? Let me give you my shirt as well. What else would you like? Want my shoes? Boy, it's hard to live with someone like that. Someone that just gives love in the most unexpected ways. And yet that's what it takes to hold a church together. That's what it takes to hold a marriage together. That's what it takes to cause your work situation to come together the light of a group of believers who follow the Messiah and say, I'll leave justice ultimately. My personal vindication, the fact that I have lived properly, I'll leave with God in heaven. That was the secret of the Messiah's life. Now, was the Messiah's life a failure? It says in verse 5, And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb, the Lord's going to respond to the Messiah now. In verse 4, the Messiah said, I'm discouraged. I haven't accomplished what you sent me into the world to do. Yet I'll leave my personal vindication in your hands, Father. I'll believe that your reward will be sufficient for me. And that's a repeat of the idea that's brought out in the book of Hebrews, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now look at verse 5. Now the Lord responds. Now God in heaven, the Father responds. He who formed me in the womb, in the womb of Mary, to be his servant to bring back Jacob back to himself and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. In other words, the Messiah left justice, personal justice, in the arms of God. He also lived his life to be strengthened by his Father and to be honored only in the eyes of the Lord. It didn't make any difference if he was honored by the crowd as long as he was doing what would bring honor to his Father. Now look at verse 6 as God responds. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles 
that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Think of how incredible that statement it is. The Messiah in the Old Testament, from one perspective, was to come into the world. The Jewish people were under the oppression of Rome. They were under horrible injustice. Their people were persecuted. They were scattered all over the world. And the prophets predicted that there would come a great deliverer into the world who would gather the Israelites from all over the Mediterranean Sea, from the islands, from the distant lands. They would all gather together. He would destroy the oppression. He would trample underfoot the military opposition that was against him and set up a kingdom in the land of Palestine. Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John, that's what they were really looking for. That's what they wanted. And so Jesus began to preach and he began to do these unbelievable miracles and the people began to respond to him and then he started talking about the need to suffer, the need to die, the need to bear the sins of the world and everyone said, no way, we don't want that. The Jewish people around him said, we want our own nation to be vindicated. We want our own cause to be solved. We want the problems of justice to be solved right now. You destroy the rule of Herod and Pilate in the land of Palestine. Set up your own kingdom right here in Israel. And then we'll have a king that we can follow. Messiah wouldn't do that. And that's the incredible riddle. The Jews walked away from him. The Jews turned away. We still live in a world where the majority of Jewish people really don't respond to the name of Jesus. And that's a deep mystery. But God Himself answered the riddle in Isaiah 800 years before Christ even came. You know what God said? He said to His Messiah, He said, he said Son, it's too little a job for you. You think from a human standpoint that you fail. From a divine standpoint, Jesus knew all along what the purpose really was. But from a human standpoint, He felt like my people haven't responded. And God the Father said, the reason that my, your people haven't responded is because that's too small a job for you. That's just too small a task. I mean, for us to set up a kingdom now in Jerusalem just by might and power and omnipotence, that's small stuff. Instead, I've got another job for you. I want you to become a light for all the nations in the world. You see, this passage is not addressed to Jewish people primarily. It's addressed to us as Gentiles. And through the rejection of a Jewish Messiah, God shone the light of His Word to the world. He said, it's too small a thing for you to restore just Jacob. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. I want you to think about the incredible realities. These things are so commonplace to us that we don't understand the unbelievable fulfillment of the mystery that's involved in it. You see, Jesus today, objectively, as you sit there today, 
whether or not you believe in him or not, Jesus is an honored man around the world. Millions look to him. You see, whatever you believe about Jesus, just set it aside for a minute. I just want you to think about the objective, concrete reality of Jesus. You need to think very hard about this. You are dealing with an individual who just lived about 33 years. He was from the wrong side of the tracks. He never left the land of Palestine except for a brief stint up in Syria. He was rejected by his people. He was murdered on a cross like thousands of other Jews in the first century. And the Jewish high priest, the leaders of the nation, just went, we took care of another troublemaker. We took care of another troublemaker. Now that's failure. Talk about failure. That's really failure. Rejected by your people. Hung on a cross. The very nation you tried to reach abhorring you and cursing you. The rulers casting lots over you and the kings talking to one another about you. Now, I want you to stop and think about it. If you were standing on a hillside overlooking Calvary, and I came up to you and said, I want to tell you something. 2,000 years from now, the name of Jesus, that man hanging on the center of the cross. See that man there? Oh, that pitiful figure. The one bruised and bleeding and broken. I said, yeah, that man right there. See him? Yeah. Just another shriveled up Jew couldn't stand the oppression of Rome. I said, oh no. You misunderstood him just like everybody else. Because 2,000 years from now, approximately, in a nation that you've never heard of, a nation of over 200 million people, there's going to be a group of people that gather with millions upon millions of other people. And that shriveled up, pathetic, figure of a man dying on a cross is going to be one that they get up every single Sunday morning and gather together with other people for one fundamental reason. That Jesus is the one who saved them from their sins. See, irrespective of what you believe about Jesus, that's reality this morning. Teenagers, that's really what it's about. It's about a Savior, a mysterious Savior in some ways, so much irony involved in his life. But you see, he rose again from the dead. And when he rose again from the dead, he opened up the doors of salvation for all who would believe. And now kings and queens can come, as well as paupers can come. Anyone can come. And they can honor and glorify this Savior who failed in reaching his people so that he could reach all people. Paul summed it up this way in the book of Romans chapter 11. He said this, God has bound all men over to disobedience that he might show mercy to all. You see, God has said for all of sin so that all of us can believe. So how do we come to this Messiah? How can we have the light shine in our hearts? Very easily. Right where you're sitting. I want you to ask yourself, as we look forward to beginning a new year, 
How do you evaluate the work of this suffering servant? Is he a failure to you? Is he the rejected one? Is he one that you abhor? Or is he one that you get down on your knees and worship? Jesus is a person today alive and well, exalted to the right hand of God. And the very key issue about the Messiah, do you know what I know? A child, a child sleeping in the night. He's the only one that can bring you goodness. You can never be good enough. You'll have to receive goodness as a gift from the suffering Messiah. Life. You need life. I buried another man this week. He lived a long time. 88 years. But he died. We all die. You say, Dave, how do I find that life? Right in your heart. Just right where you're sitting in your heart. As we close in a time of quiet prayer. Right there where you're sitting. Say this. I realize I'll never be good enough. I realize that there's a, there's a rebellious, hardened part of me. Please listen. Let the sword of the Spirit penetrate into your heart. You've got to be honest with your life. You've got to say, I have a part of me that does abhor the things of God, that does reject obedience to God, that wants to do my own thing. God wants you to admit that to Him. And then He wants you to say, Jesus, You died for me so that I could be forgiven for my rebellion for the fact that I don't worship the Savior the way that I should, for the fact that I don't understand who He is. And I want Your Holy Spirit to help me to understand. And then say, Jesus, I believe that You rose again from the dead. I believe that though You were rejected by the Jewish people, You were rejected so that all the world could find the light. So that instead of just setting up a little kingdom in one nation of the world, the Lord Jesus could have a time when he would set up a spiritual kingdom among all the nations of the world. And then one day he will come back and he will set up his physical kingdom. And those who have believed in his son will rule and reign with him like the sun forever and ever. Do you know what I know? I trust you do. He can bring you goodness and life.